Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Revelation. We are currently in chapter 3 at verse 14. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 14 of chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, where it says this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the last of the uh, seven letters that uh, Jesus has now commissioned to be written and to be delivered uh, to these uh, various churches in what we would now recognize as Western Turkey, Western Central Turkey. Uh, and some of those cities uh, and villages still exist. Uh, the, um, uh, the interesting thing about these seven churches and the letters delivered to them uh, and dictated by Jesus to John, by the way, uh, that these, these do not represent major churches you might think of uh, when you think of the New Testament, uh, except, of course, for uh, Ephesus, for the Ephesian church. Um, uh, most of these uh, churches are not very well known known, uh, even though Laodicea is mentioned a couple of times. Uh, but uh, uh, the reason why we believe that uh, uh, Jesus has chosen to, uh, to talk to, uh, uh, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, those seven, 
they they sort of form a a postal circuit in uh, some regards, and yet in other regards, uh, they seem to have a, a certain kind of spiritual representation of of many other churches, many churches that perhaps existed in that day in the first century, many churches that have come uh, come around since then, and uh, it may also represent the fact that uh, the church age, you might call it, or the the era of the churches, um, and the the global church, the the, the Christendom, if you want to call it that way, uh, t- has taken on certain characteristics that uh, we believe are reflected by these seven uh, letters, and. Um, and because of that, we we think that we have gone through a certain kind of spectrum of what uh, the uh, the Christendom has gone through since the time of Christ and since the first century. And of course, during the first century and shortly thereafter, was the Ephesus Church uh, in that is that first generation uh, series of churches. We would call that the Apostolic Church of uh, that day because they were. Uh, ordained by the apostles and were planted by either directly by the apostles or by the apostles' own direction of someone else planting them. And um, then came um, the uh, the martyred church, and we call that the uh, church at Smyrna, uh, represents that martyred church because uh, churches have always been um, uh, persecuted for Jesus, and there have always been those who have died for their testimony uh, for Jesus, even prior to uh, to AD 67, but it became um, a very uh, official thing from the Roman government at that time, and uh, that was something that uh, uh, had not occurred until that time. Uh, Then there was what we would call the Pergamum Church. That would be the worldly church, the the church that uh, incorporates so much into their life uh, from the culture around them that it's hard to, uh, to distinguish them as a church, perhaps, uh, from a from any other social gathering or or some fraternity or sorority and um, and yet uh, that's exactly what happened to Christendom at large in many regards. Uh, then along came the uh, what. Uh, is the uh, Thyatira Church, and uh, some people call that the Papal Church. Uh, That was the formal, organized, centralized uh, authority of the church. And uh, then along came uh, the Protestants, you might say, the Protestant Church of of, uh, Sardis. Uh, That would be uh, about uh, the date of around 1517. Uh, And it became dominant, and yet at the same time uh, brought with it uh, much revival in, in regards to the doctrine and the uh, the things concerning Christ, the thing concerning salvation by faith, and the things concerning the authority of the Bible and the authority of God's word, and yet in many regards, uh, it became also a very empty church in in regards to their spiritual life. Then along come the Philadelphia church somewhere around uh, 1730. Uh, that would be called the, the revival church. And uh, that's the church at Philadelphia. And finally, we come here to this letter uh, to the Laodicean church. And that is what some people have called the apostate church. And it began uh, uh, pretty much around the turn of the century into the, uh, into, that is the turn of the 1900s. And, uh, 
And that uh, began the, the drift away from solid Bible teaching, the drift away from, from evangelical preaching and gospel preaching, and the drift away from the, the authority of God's word. And um, so we find this uh, Laodicean church here uh, addressed the same way that uh, all the other churches are addressed. Uh, but uh, the church at Laodicea uh, is in a city um, about 90 miles east of Ephesus and about 45 miles uh, southeast of Philadelphia. So we've, we've completed this circuit almost entirely. Uh, there is a, a village there in Turkey that currently exists, and I believe it's pronounced uh, Pamuk Kali, uh, but... Uh, uh, and you can correct me on my uh, pronunciation, but at the time, this this city was a was a major uh, economic city. Uh, that meant that uh, it was a wealthy city. It was successful city. In fact, it prided itself in the fact that uh, there was at one time a, a major earthquake, and they completely rebuilt the city on their own with municipal funds, rather than uh, asking Rome. For a uh, for a, uh, a part of their budget, and uh, and so they were a, a survivalist type of city from that regard because they carried their own wealth, they carried their own independent. Um, uh, wealth so that they can rebuild. Um, so they had a banking. Uh, um, as a part of the strength of the city, as well as a medical school. And uh, those two things kind of characterize the entire city. But they also had a textile industry of of uh, uh, sought-after uh, silky black wool, you might call it, uh, that uh, that uh, many people uh, desired as as a as a as a symbol of wealth. Then there was a uh, the production of certain eye powder or eye salve that uh, that healed and was was globally known or at least uh, across the the Roman Empire that is and uh, and so it made this city quite wealthy and quite self-determining um and so Jesus begins by addressing this particular city and this particular church by saying that uh, uh and he calls himself by certain titles um uh, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, and he goes on to that. Uh, by the way, this the uh, the city of Laodicea is is named in various places, especially in the book of Colossians. It's uh, it's named in chapter two and verse one. It says, "For those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face." So he Paul never actually. Uh, um, went to this city, but evidently there were believers there that knew about him. In uh, chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 12 and 13, he names a man that's with Paul by the name of Epaphras, who is one of your number, and evidently he was from Colossae, uh, and he was... Um, he had his heart, uh, this man did, he had his heart upon uh, both Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis, according to Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And then uh, in uh, verse 15, Paul even says in Colossians chapter 4, 
uh, to greet the brethren who are in Laodicea. And finally, in verse 16, he says, uh, when this letter, that's, that is the, the, uh, uh, the book of uh, Colossians, uh, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. We're not quite sure what that letter was, but evidently Paul wrote something to the church at Laodicea that the Colossians would have been interested in. So uh, there is a certain kind of interreaction here, um, uh, or interaction, that is. And uh, and yet, uh, at this point, Jesus uh, takes uh, the dictation and gives it to uh, John, and he says uh, the Amen, and that means the the uh, the one who stands as true, and that is Jesus's name here. This, and as far as we can tell, this is the only place where the ner- uh, where the the uh, the name or the word. That is, the title, uh, Amen, is given as a personal uh, identification. Um, and uh, that's what Jesus is. He is the truth. And that's what, he, what he's declaring. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 16, is the little tributary that gives us a certain idea of perhaps where Jesus got this this uh, this idea himself, and that comes from Isaiah chapter sixty five verse sixteen. It says because he who is blessed in the earth will be blessed by the God of truth. And that word in the Hebrew could literally be translated as the God of Amen. And he who swears uh, in the earth will swear by the God of the Amen. And and so uh, because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight. So this is the God of the Amen and Jesus is the Amen here, uh, the faithful and true witness. And that is uh, those are both synonyms for the title Amen. He is that kind of a witness. He gives testimony with truthfulness. The whole truth and nothing but the truth comes from Jesus's dictation here. We'll be back right after this interlude. of Jesus making his own declaration of his own titles here in in respect to this particular congregation. And we have noticed that uh, Jesus does this in every other letter, and uh, uh, he doesn't let it up. Uh, he, He characterizes himself as it might apply to that particular um 
characteristic uh, within the church and within the congregation of what they need. Jesus is always the, the, the answer to our need, regardless of what circumstance we find ourselves. And that's exactly what he wants them to know, that he is the amen, the faithful and true witness. Uh, he's called himself this before in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, um, uh, John says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead uh, and ruler of the kings of the earth. Uh, so he is given that title there, the faithful witness. Also, uh, earlier in this same chapter, chapter 3, uh, verse 7, um, uh, Jesus calls himself uh, to, the, uh, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. He says, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David. And so, so there he describes himself as being true. He has the truth. And of course, we know that Jesus says uh, earlier in his own ministry, he says, I am the truth uh, and uh, the way and the life. Uh, that's a little out of order, but, but it is the emphasizing uh, the fact that uh, he is the truth. And uh, the, that is what he declares uh, about himself. Also, he is the beginning of the creation of God. Now, many people have taken this out of its context and have uh, made a big deal out of that word beginning, as if to say Jesus is only claiming to be a a created being, a first created being. Uh, and yet uh, that is not at all what he's getting at. Uh, in fact, the terminology there is the word originator or initiator. He initiated the creation of God. That what, that's what he's uh, declaring here. He was the start of everything else, and uh, that's who he is. So he, by doing so, then he has the authority to say the next thing to this church and that is, I know your deeds. And so uh, he has said this uh, several different times. Uh, five times he said it this way, I know your deeds. Now, uh, uh, and in chapter 2 and verse 9, there's a little bit of an exception. Instead of knowing uh, their deeds, he says, I know your tribulation. Also in chapter 2, verse 13, he says, instead of saying, I know your deeds, I know where you dwell. But in chapter 2, verse 2, verse 19, as well as chapter 3, verse 1 and 8 and 15, he says, I know your deeds. And then this particular church, uh, there is no commendation here. There is no congratulations here. There is no uh, uh, recognition of strengths here. Uh, it is all about the weaknesses of this church. And uh, so he says, I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. And he goes on to say, I wish that you were cold or hot. Notice Jesus has a preference here in this particular case that, uh, that he wishes that they would and they would be cold. That would at least be clear to everyone else around them and everyone else uh, in the congregation to know that if they were completely cold, that would at least make a statement. It would be a declaration uh, of something. But they weren't willing or ready or eager to make a declaration of anything that was would be worthwhile. And so uh, they, Jesus says, I wish you were either cold or hot, um, and they definitely were not hot. Instead, they were lukewarm, and Jesus says, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just spit you out of my mouth uh, because that's what lukewarm
warm, tepid water it isn't refreshing like cool water, and it's and it, it uh, doesn't provide. Uh, the warmth of hot water when you're when uh, when you need hot water to uh, to bathe in or something else and so so jesus says i i wish it was one or the other but it's neither one and uh, that word for spitting you out of my mouth uh in fact it's translated i think in the new king james as vomit uh, i i you're you're just uh, uh i'm going to just puke you out that's that's about what he says here because why because he wants them to be face to face with what their true spiritual condition is. And uh, he doesn't necessarily say that this is an unsaved church, but he he definitely makes it very clear that uh, they are not a church that he's going to use uh, to reach that city in any way, shape, or form. Now, what's interesting is they have a very practical understanding of Jesus's metaphors for their spiritual life here. Because you see, uh, Laodicea did not have a water source, a municipal source for water all on its own. And so it had elaborate aqueducts that they they had constructed from the uh, city of Hierapolis. And uh, that city possessed hot springs. And so they uh, they piped in hot springs, hot water from the hot springs in Hierapolis. But then also they piped in, they had aqueducts from Colossae, and the city of Colossae had cool waters, refreshing springs there. And um, and yet by by the time that uh, these aqueducts had, had carried the water from both of these sources, the cool source, and the hot source, by the time it got to Laodicea, those those sources of water were neither cold and they were neither hot. Uh, by the time it reached that city, uh, that uh, all the building and all the the aqueducts uh, couldn't uh, couldn't maintain uh, the coldness of the uh, of the refreshing water or the hotness of the hot springs. And so, it, by the time it got to the city, it was just tepid and it was worthless in in many regards. And so, uh, so Jesus says, that's what you are spiritually. Well, they're about to deny that, and Jesus anticipates their denial. You see, Jesus knows where you're, justi- you're trying to justify yourself. He knows your heart. He knows what you have given yourself as an excuse, what you have laid your, your, your identity upon. He knows what, uh, what hypocrisy you might be living in. He knows it, and he he can quote your words back to you. And that's very interesting. He says, he says, because you say, and evidently Jesus has heard it, and he wants them to know that he's heard it. He says, this is what you say. I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Yes, you pride yourself in becoming this independent, self-reliant wealthy uh, group of people. And, uh, and he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. Now, he, Jesus is not here endorsing 
uh, uh, some sort of uh, salvation by purchase. You don't buy salvation. That's not what he's getting at. But he's saying basically to this city, you need to change your vendor. I need to be your vendor, not who you're going to for your wealth and for your status and for the symbols of your society that elevate you among all the others and that give you this self-reliant, independent spirit. He says, uh, you need to come to me as your vendor of true wealth. You need to come to me as your wholesaler uh, for true wealth uh, rather than the, the, the ones you've been going to. And he, he, so that's, that's basically what he's saying there. It's, it's a metaphor that actually comes out of a, a little tributary in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 5. It says this, you, you uh, meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, uh, who remembers in your ways. Uh, behold, you were angry, for we sinned. We continued in them for a long time, and uh, shall we be saved? That's in Isaiah 64, verse 5. So uh, Isaiah's audience knew their need. But uh, earlier in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 1, uh, Isaiah uses this metaphor. Look at what he says. Ho, everyone who thirsts, every, uh, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So he's not he's not necessarily selling these things. He's saying you come to me for your source of these things. And uh, uh it, it's not a purchase you're making of salvation. You are going to the source of the real uh thing, uh the real source of wealth, the real source of strength, the real source of righteousness. And that's what he says uh you buy gold from me. You find me as your source. You you find me for your source for your garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. Spiritually speaking, he says, he says you may walk into your church building with the finest of clothes, clothes on, the finest suits, the finest dresses, the finest wardrobe you can get out of your uh, closets or the, the ones you've ordered, the ones you've you've uh, gotten from from the fancy places in town, and you can walk into the church. But he says uh, that doesn't cover up your sin. That doesn't cover up uh, the the worthlessness of your um, your work and the worthlessness of of. Uh, what you have been doing. And so he says, you need real clothing, not the ones you have been priding yourself in right now. And you need, uh, uh, you need eye salve. He says, you need salve that doesn't come from, from the powders that you've produced in your city and in your factories uh, that have shipped all over the world. Uh, he says, you need my healing. You need to see the things I see. You need to see things from my perspective. And he says uh, in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He calls upon this church to repent as a church. And he calls upon the individuals in the church to do the same thing, to repent, uh, to be zealous. It's one thing to just be lackluster and mediocre. And that's the mediocrity is what arouses Jesus's um, metaphors here. He says, you need to see things as they really are spiritually. 
You need to open your eyes. You need to come to me for the source of your your, uh, wardrobe, the source of your wealth, and the source of your healing. And he says... uh, And he says, of course, this popular verse, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Notice that Jesus is addressing this to an individual. And it's almost as if he's standing outside the church door. This is Jesus who is supposed to be Lord of the church, the groom of the bride. And yet he's not allowed in. He is still standing out on the sidewalk, knocking on the door, and that's that's where he is. That's an ironic thing. And he says, if if some individual, any individual, comes and answers this knock, I'll come into that person. And that's what he's saying. Is this now becomes an individualistic thing? If if the congregation does not repent because of my discipline then I'll respond to individuals personally who come and invite me to be in their life. He says, I will dine with him and he will dine with me. This becomes a mutual place of fellowship, of intimacy, and saying that we will be joined together in uh, in meal and and, and and anyone who who dines as a meal together that means fellowship that means association it's very very similar to what happened to Zacchaeus where Jesus said in in uh, Luke chapter 19 verse 5 he says to Zacchaeus uh, hurry and come down for today I must stay at your house you see when you put yourself available to him he will come in and make himself at home, in your home, in your life. And that's the, that's the response we should give to repent and open the door and ask him to come in. And uh, he says, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down uh, with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's the promise Jesus makes. He says, not only will we have our meals together, but he says, uh, he says, you will join me on my throne. You will help me rule there. You will have the glory that I have when I sit on my Father's throne. You will have my glory as you sit with me on my throne. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, I pray your word would be strong in us with conviction and power and the appeal of the invitation of Jesus himself to come into us. And we trust in you to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.